What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Another conversation with a content marketer that matters to you. I am fired up. I've got Margaret Kelsey from OpenView on the pod today. We're talking about content facilitation. What is it? What are the benefits? Why does it work? Why it's important to over-index on brand awareness? And we get into a lot more. I had so much fun chopping it up with her. I think you're going to learn a ton. I know I did. If you like what you've been hearing on the 3C Podcast, smash that subscribe button. Leave me a review if you think I'm doing a good job. Go sign up for the Juice Waitlist. You get the newsletter every week. You're going to be the first to know about when our platform drops. You can do that at thejuicehq.com. Just drop in your email. You'll hear from me. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm excited for another conversation here with a very smart and talented marketer. These conversations just happen organically. I got connected to today's guest through a conversation. I had a question and the more we got to talking, I said, hey, do you want to record a podcast episode? Um, And she agreed. So I'm excited. I'm joined by Margaret Kelsey. Margaret is the Senior Director of Marketing at OpenView. I've been a big fan of OpenView's content. I've been following it for quite some time. Without further ado, how are you doing today, Margaret? I am doing fantastic. Got a little extra sleep last night with a with a new son. That's all all you can ask for. And spring is right around the corner, and all all the things. So doing great. Awesome. Yes, the whole time shift in leaping uh, forward and you know adjusting clocks. You know, I I struggled jumping into this week and I talked to a lot of coworkers and they were struggling too. So I'm hoping that once spring hits, everyone will be back to normal. We'll have some good weather and, uh, you know, there'll be positive vibes and spirits all around. It does feel like we're, it feels like spring is sort of aligning to a, like the broader world spring, right? Like it feels like not only weather-wise, but just with, you know, vaccines on the horizon and, and everything shifting. And I, I do feel like it's, it's sort of a macro micro thing right now where we're kind of moving towards some, your point, good vibes. <laughs> good vibes totally. are on the horizon. Totally. And I want like the primary topic of today's conversation, we're going to, we're going to chop up content facilitation. I know you've got a lot of ideas and thoughts. Uh, oh, I have part- thoughts. <laughs> part, part of the reason why I was like, all right, I got to talk to her is because it's something that I'm working on. So this will be, I'm going to learn, I'm going to, the audience, I'm going to learn and I'll be sit there just sitting there just alongside you taking notes. But before we do that, I want to talk, I, I read the headline before we jumped on, like I do most guests, I don't always bring it up, but I thought it'd be an interesting jump off point. Um, reading your LinkedIn profile and your headline is B2B marketer with a background in product-led growth companies, builder of strategic brand programs and the teams that run them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting. I look at Envision, I look at AppQs and now OpenView. There is a lot of energy within your experience around product-led growth and you being a part of a organization that kind of coined the term product-led growth. I'd love to just get your perspective on this topic that seems to be taking over the B2B marketing and just B2B industry in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's been happening before we even called it product-led growth, right? I think product-led growth is, is sort of the term that we've assigned to this, this shift in behavior 
And that shift is really the fact that that folks want to try and use software before they buy it, right? Like the power has come all the way down from the procurement departments and the, the VPs that are, you know, very far removed from the actual day-to-day usage of the product. And the power has really quickly shifted towards uh, individual users bringing the software that they want to the workplace and then the workplace adapting whether or not they want to buy, you know, a, a subscription to that. So, you know, we've called it product-led growth. OpenView, to your point, called it that back in, in 2016. And I saw that shift happen at Envision where both Envision obviously is a product-led growth company, freemium product that you can kind of jump into and start sharing around your team and uh, is viral in that nature. But also we were, you know, we created software for designers that were creating products themselves that were at that cutting edge of user experience and, and really thoughtful about the customer experience. And I think that that's actually the thread, not to connect us too early with the content facilitation thing, but I think that the overall trend of listening to your customers, listening to your users, and adapting quickly is also a lesson that content marketers need to, to learn as well. And we can tie product-led growth to this content facilitation topic, but it, I, I think it, they both sort of center around this idea of deep respect and, and desire to talk to your end user and your customer. I love that. And we're going to jump right into that. But before we do talk about OpenView, I know a lot of people out there um, listening have probably consumed OpenView content, but why don't you describe who OpenView is and what you do for anyone out there who's unfamiliar? Sure. We are a VC firm who has a very uh, clear focus on B2B software at what we call the expansion stage. So usually that happens after product market fit, where the company is ready to expand and grow. And, and that's the types of companies that, that we're most excited about, but only B2B software companies. So, so we have a very clear focus and that helps myself as, as the senior director of marketing to create content programs that are obviously hyper-focused on, on the types of people that we want to that we want to talk to and we want to build a community around. Has your approach changed at all based on you having this experience working on the brand side content with for software companies and now kind of sitting on the other side working for a VC? Has your approach to how you go about thinking about your content changed at all? Yeah, I mean, the customer journey is totally different, right? The marketing funnel is a hysterically different shape than when you're in the actual B2B software world, right? Like we might do, you know, 10 deals a year. And so if you look at that as a marketer and try to think about your funnel, where you're trying to create lots of awareness and buzz up at the top of the funnel, but you're only, you know, let's say converting, uh, you know, 10 10 deals per year, you just can't think of it in in the same way. And so... It, it definitely helps that I like to live in that brand and awareness place in the marketing funnel. And, and so it, it feels more aligned to this idea of like, let's just create great content. Let's just provide a lot of value. Let's like just help people where they are. And then when they come time to, to raise around and, and want to talk about expanding their company in a, in a product-led growth fashion, like you know, will be hopefully top of mind for them. So I tend to always sort of, I'm probably uh, ridiculously optimistic in my ter- in my, my mindset of marketing, like build it and they will come type of thing. And so I really love living in that top of the funnel brand awareness place. And, and I think that OpenView allows me to do that with, with the sort of inherent nature of our funnel. 
Yeah, I love that. Definitely can come from a place of abundance. And I would imagine your marketing scorecard isn't measuring uh, leads week over week. Um, that's for sure. And maybe we jump in and, and talk about the primary topic with content facilitation. And I think I'll maybe share with the audience just like what this means to me. And you are the first person that since I have been talking to marketers every day that you kind of jumped on this and just had so many takes and so many ideas. And I was like, all right, this is a perfect topic. So for me, like starting a new company, I am, I, I found in 2021, if you're starting a new company around the marketer, you really need to get in the game and you need to find them where they are, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Slack, what uh, Slack communities, whether it's LinkedIn and just start meeting people, talking to people, share your point of view, try to gather perspective and it's really easy. It's a good way to test the messaging that I'm thinking about. It's a good way to check, test narrative. And as I'm connecting with these individuals, they in, inherently bring up topics. And I say, you know what? Like, that's really interesting. And in the back of my mind, it's this helps support what we're trying to go to market with. And I say, hey, let's, you, you want to do a podcast episode? And they jump on. I get to meet someone, build that relationship. And they deliver awesome content to this audience that we're building. And so like this concept to me is trying to like create and build relationships. And also in turn, like the byproduct is like, okay, content comes out on the other side that we can share with our audience. And so like, that's a strategy that as a small marketing team, I'm trying to implement and it's just, it's leveling me up and it's allowing me to see trends that I might not see and also produce regular content on a regular, on a daily basis. So like, that's the, that's the point, that's where I'm coming from. And so I, I was sharing some thoughts with you on this and you're, you just started going, there's a content facilitation and you started going. So I, I think like, first let's, I, I just said a lot, but maybe take a step back and either react to what I just said, but I'd love to just, I'd love to hear you say like, what is content facilitation to you? Yeah. So it's something that I stumbled on to be com completely honest. It, it's, it's a strategy that I, that I started out with when I was at Envision because I didn't know I wasn't worth my weight and salt. I wasn't, I shouldn't have been doing the job that I was doing. And I was in over my head as a content marketer. And I thought, gosh, I don't know the first thing about product design. I don't know about UX design. What do I do? And we had a, a passionate group of early users. And we also had, uh, you know, decent connections with some folks that weren't necessarily users of ours, but were other designers um, at companies that we would want to be companies that, that had bought Envision. So I saw these people sitting out there that could, that could potentially write content for me and potentially talk to me and like, tell me what's going on. And so that's how we modeled our blog strategy at Envision was let's interview these people, let's showcase them. Designers were inherently visual. So we, we actually would send a, a photographer to their office and take beautiful shots of their workspace and, you know, them collaborating and whiteboarding and doing all these cool things. And so I definitely stumbled on this, but what I realized was there was a compounding factor. The first thing that happened was you're talking to your community all the time. So you're kind of at the cutting edge of the, the terms that they're using, right? So your, your articles start to uh, rank for SEO just sort of naturally, almost magically, right? You're using the terms and the phrases in your writing that people then in the industry are using when they're searching for answers. And so you don't have to do a lot of keyword analysis. You don't have to go into, you know, I love SEMrush, but you don't have to go and like 
pull massive data reports and then build a content strategy based on like how to capitalize for those keywords. To be honest, that's another great way to go about it. But like the easier hack is like talk to the people and build the content in that regard. So that's the first thing that happened was like organic just kind of popped naturally. The second thing was happened that you sort of inherit the credibility of the people that you're interviewing, right? So your brand gets a little bit of a, a bump in terms of, oh, this brand is connected to this person that's that's super smart. So the brand must be, I don't know, super smart or or whatever kind of association happens. The third thing is, and there's probably a bunch more things. The third thing is, is that you can build a great relationship with somebody that may be to the point before of, that you want to have be a customer, right? Having a salesperson reach out as a first touch point is a different experience than having a content person reach out and say, hey, we would love to feature you. We would love to you know, put you in this content series. We would love to send a photographer to your office and, and do all this great stuff. So it's a nice first touch point that you can build a relationship off of. And the last thing that happens is that your, your content channel that you're you're building becomes the place for the cutting edge conversation to happen about what's happening in the industry um, because you're talking to the people that are at the forefront of it. And again, there's probably you know way more things that happen, but uh, by just taking by just taking the idea that you don't have to as a content marketer be the person that creates all the content in silo means that that there's all this sort of inherent added benefits to talking to the the person themselves. Yeah. There's so much you said there that I definitely want to unpack. I think one of the things that you shared there that I heard was, you know, coming to this realization that, okay, you're this marketer, you're in this industry and, you know, your job is to create content. Well, you look around and you realize who your audience is and you say, you know what, like, I'm not a designer. Like, I don't know what their motivations, I don't know what their desires are. And I would kind of feel like a phony, like going and writing on their behalf and creating blog posts, articles, videos, just saying and sharing a point of view that makes me front and think I'm a, a designer or have the audience think I'm a designer. They'll see right through that. So I think like part of it is like you becoming really vulnerable for a minute and saying, all right, well, like this is not me but I know a bunch of other people that are able to do that. And it's just kind of making it happen. So maybe talk about like, just like being a little bit of be, being a little vulnerable and taking a step back and kind of analyzing what's the best for the customer. I think having a, a decent dose of imposter syndrome is probably really valuable for a content marketer. Cause you're not going to step in it, right. You're not going to think that you know the answer. And, and honestly, like, it's not now that I'm in a, a, a position where I'm, I'm managing folks too, like, it's not in my best interest for the folks that are creating content to become subject matter experts in the content they're, they're creating, they need to be subject matter experts in content marketing, they need to understand how to craft good stories, they need to understand what people want to read and how to engage people and how to make things interesting, right? Like how to make people feel, think and behave. Like that's sort of like a good little capsule of what marketing is. And like, that's what I need them to work on. I don't need them to, to be the subject matter expertise. And so I, I think it's an easy trap though, for, for content marketers to fall into, especially early in their career based on whatever company that they're working on. But I think that it's, if you decide to go down that route and become a subject matter expertise plus a content marketer in that thing, it also limits your ability to switch jobs and switch companies, right? Become a master content marketer. And that does not mean that you have to become the, the thought leader on the thing that you're covering. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's excellent uh, feedback on on the topic. I, I'm curious, like, you know, there are a lot of company, a lot of content marketers that are out there, and a part of their program is all right, we're going to do some customer marketing and, you know, maybe once a quarter, we're going to interview this customer and we're going to like create this campaign, maybe do this webinar, do this thing with this customer. And then like, maybe that gives them the idea and it checks the box and it's like, all right, yeah, we, we, we do podcasts and things with our customers, but like, to me, it needs to be like one of those things that's like habitual, regular, you're constantly doing it. How would you advise to move from like the once a quarter, like customer call, turn it into something to like making it a part of your regular drumbeat? It's, I mean, it's probably slow, right? And it depends on how much ownership you have over the strategy of your content program. Um, I mean, I think all those things come into play. I think the simplest thing to do is to anytime that you're, you're thinking of creating a piece of content, it, it's sort of that, like, think smarter, not harder, right? Like, do you have a customer that could that could help you create this content? Do you have a prospect that you would love to get involved with to create this, whatever it is, blog post or, or the thing? Have you had a great conversation with somebody recently that, you know, is somewhere in the industry adjacent that, you know, would, would be helpful to your audience? And so there, there's probably a little bit of laziness involved, right? There's probably a little bit of, of, let's just make this easier, but it also can be hard to get that person to say yes, right? It's almost easier to go off in a silo and, and work on an article yourself and hopefully hit all the keywords that you, uh, that you wanted to do rather than, you know, get buy-in from somebody and maybe then the, the piece of content goes off in a different direction than the keywords that you were hoping to work in. And so it can be, I guess the, the working easier lazy thing can sometimes become messier. It, it just, it's, it's been how my, my brain has been wired, I guess, to, to kind of have people, you know, paint my fences for me. So. Totally. And I, something you said earlier just like stood out to me and it just like, I got this visual in my brain and I'd have to jog back and remember exactly what words you used to trigger this, but it triggered like, this, this stage and you're this company and you have this stage and you're just like, you know, kind of like a a late night show host, right? You're bringing on new guests and, you know, people are watching your show and your job is to kind of just like pull things out of the guests that they're then sharing into the, uh, with their audience. And it can be helpful insights. It can be, you know, one-liners and it can be entertaining. So it's like, I, I had this visual of like, your job now is to ha- just have a platform. And mm-hmm. as the content marketer, like kind of thinking of yourself is kind of like a, you know, playing like a Jimmy Fallon type role where you're trying to pull these things out of certain individuals that are in your market to then in turn share with the rest of your market. Yeah. Thoughts, you're, thoughts you're, on that? You're both the show producer and the actual talent interviewer, right? And and I think a good interviewer, to your point, is the person that is having the interviewee shine and have like, you know, uh, getting the nuggets out of them and like, you're a supporting character, right? And I think that a lot of content marketers fall into the trap of, of wanting to be the star themselves rather than like being the supporting character of the star, right? And I know marketers talk a lot about like, when you're when you're building out your marketing message that your your customer should be the hero in that messaging and we t- we pay a lot of lip service to that but what it comes down to oftentimes is actually the personality of the marketer if that makes sense it it, it does and i 
Gosh, something. So my observations being six years out of like the marketing to marketers game and coming back in, like the biggest thing I've seen is, man, like, wow, we've got all these platforms and channels now that like are popping off that people share information and wow, like do B2B marketers really love to use these platforms to share <laughs> their, their thoughts and their takes. I feel like I'm walking into a Tony Robbins uh, uh, <laughs> a seminar every time I hop on LinkedIn or something. Um, and I think like there's a piece of like, yes, we should be sharing our thoughts. Like, you know, I know there's a lot of stuff happening on Clubhouse right now, but like, what's the balance? What's the balance of it being like, all right, I, I'm, I'm trying to build my personal brand, which in turn builds the company's brand. And I'm just focused in on trying to have this show where we've got customers that we're just trying to get out and make look really good. Like what's the balance? I think it's hard. And I want, I want to be clear. I, I love people building their personal brands. Like it's actually core to our marketing strategy at OpenView to have open viewers build their personal brand. I think that it's, it's, I think a, a company brand should be the amalgamation of the people within the company. And the important thing to do there is to have strong personal brands that people can say, oh, this is the person at that company. And sort of you you uh, attach some of the hopefully good personality traits of that person to the overall brand. So I am a huge believer that people that are spending time doing that, you know, it's really good for your company's brand. I think as a con a content marketer specifically, if you are, I'm probably going to oversimplify this, but I think as a content marketer, to me, it's not as helpful to build a personal brand as it is to facilitate the company and other people's brands. And I think like, if I, if I'm just talking as like a, a, you know, like an individual content marketer, I would rather personally be known as the person, like the, the speakeasy content marketer that's like behind the scenes doing cool stuff and not sharing the hot takes every day. That being said, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to talk myself in circles about that. <laughs> it's an important thing to do. I understand it. I also think that there are a lot of unsung heroes that are just heads down doing the work and that you can't necessarily conflate the two. The loud, the loud folks sharing hot takes. So now I'm putting on my hiring hat. Okay. <laughs> my hiring hat says, the loud people doing the hot takes are not necessarily the first top of the people that are on my hiring list. Um, it's not to say that they're not on the hiring list. It's just to say that like, I don't conflate the two, but it, when I put on my brand building hat, I say, wow, that's valuable to do. And so I think there's a lot of nuance in there. Um, I think that you can't just look at that and say like, great idea, spend your time building your personal brand as a marketer. I love it. And the, the thought about the marketers who aren't out there like pushing these messages, which I'm not, I'm not like the reason I brought it up was not to like dump on these people at all. Like, I think it's fantastic in certain ways to build your personal brand. There's ways to do it. But what I found in doing what I'm doing in getting connected to different people, the, some of the smartest content people that I'm meeting regularly, like they're like silent assassins. They're like, yeah. they're, they're not, they're not, they don't have any interest in doing that. They're, they have a craft and they're looking to refine it. And it's that behind the scenes stuff that's going on. So I think that that's just like a, Hey, everybody, like, don't, you don't have do, to do it. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to do it. And it's not necessarily like take, learn, learn from other people outside of those people that are just like, who have got the big platforms and who are sharing their messages every day. 
I think there's a lot of anxiety around that, right? Like as a marketer, I should show that I'm great at marketing by marketing myself. I think that there's other great ways to show that you're good at marketing, right? Like the portfolio of work that you've done, like once you get in a conversation with somebody and you're sharing, you know, your thoughts on marketing, like you don't have to be, you don't have to be an extrovert to be great at marketing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and the, the speak easy marketer that you uh, talked about. So like back to content facilitation, the speak easy marketer, like if someone was joined a software company and they were going to start content facilitation, like what would your recommendations be for those, those content marketers on like things to do to get going? Yeah. So I have to say that I stole the the speakeasy idea from Devin, the CEO at Animals. She before started like really marketing animals, thought of like equated to them as a, like a speakeasy brand. And I just love that idea that you don't necessarily have to build a big brand, right? You can build like a really super cool, you know, you got to know me to know me kind of brand. And I like, I, I like that. And I equated that to personal branding too, that uh, you can be kind of a speakeasy marketer, or speakeasy person. So got to give credit where credit's due. I, I love that analogy. In terms of starting off with content facilitation, you have to have access to your customers or your potential customers. And I would say that's the first thing, right? Acknowledging, do you have that access? Are you able to uh, is your organization small and nimble enough that it's, of course, content marketer, reach out to these people? Or are you at a, a more enterprise organization where, where these folks are kind of locked up and, and kept in like a precious box that only a, an account manager or something can access? And so I think you have to be thoughtful about beginning where you're able to begin. If you have access to them, have at them, right? I think that the 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 core of your responsibility is to make it as easy for that person to say yes to you as possible. So we do a lot of, if somebody doesn't, you know, doesn't have time to write an article or doesn't have time to do X, Y, Z, like hop on a call, record it, send it to Rev, transcribe it, have, you know, yourself or a ghostwriter edit that down, give that person final approval. If you write it as a, a ghostwritten byline from them, you can do a Q and A style, you know, piece of content, whatever, whatever you can do to, to get that person to say, oh yes, like I would love, that's like a minimal amount of time. Casey, a partner at OpenView, who is in charge of our executive network, figured out this, this genius weekly walk idea where it's a LinkedIn video series where she has just incredible people come on and do these weekly walks. It used to be in person that she would walk around with, with her iPhone and with these folks. Now, obviously, everything's virtual. But it's 15 minutes that people have to say yes to. And they come on and they have a great interview and, and they share not only some work stuff, but also some personal stuff. And it's, a, it's an incredible series. And so I think getting people to say yes is that next step, figuring out like what the blockers are for that person, that industry, whether that's time or bandwidth or I don't know, not understanding how to create content. But like, that's your job, right? Like you have to decide how to facilitate it how to make it easy for them, and then how to pull out the good nuggets. Like what's really important? How do you tell that story? What does that headline look like? What do the pull quotes look like? What's the user experience on your site when somebody actually consumes that content? Like that's what we need the content marketers to focus on. I love it. Uh, sh shout out to uh, Devin and the animals team that uh, they've, they're showing up everywhere and definitely have been probably, they're definitely top three for me in terms of content coming back into the game and trying to learn about what people are talking about. And the weekly walk series, I will say, 
I miss it because I, I used to, it used to show up in my LinkedIn feed and I used to watch and I, I used to sit there and be like, this is a cool idea, like simple, not a lot of heavy lifting. So I, I get that. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think the final thing just on that thread is to me, if you're the content marketer starting things off, it's, I love what you said about just like making it super easy for the person making a clear cut ask really helps to have like that something. And it's easy for me. And it's like pod, it's like inception talking about the podcast while doing the podcast, but like <laughs> doing a pot, like having a podcast makes it really easy for me to meet marketers. Cause it's like, Hey, you're a marketer and you've got a lot of takes and ideas. Like come on my podcast. And it's so like my recommendation would just be like, have that something, have that mm-hmm. platform that you can just tee up and say, Hey, I just need you for 15, 30 minutes, like jump on this. And that's how you kind of get it moving from my experience. And yeah, it's helpful to have that series ongoing and to say like, this is the thing I need you for. And like, look at the people who have been on it before. You can look at the quality. You can look at how, what people, what other people have talked about. And you and I did an an intro call before this and we were, you know, it was very easy to talk for a long period of time. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do a podcast because I know that we're going to have way more than enough to talk about, right? And I think that that can be a little bit of a fear sometimes too. So it's about understanding like what the fear and what the pain point is going to be. And a lot of that is like, just like reaching out and getting a lot of no's and, and figuring it figuring it out. When I was first at Envision, I got so many no's, right? And there was definitely a clear point in time when the brand got big enough and that like content series, it, it was called inside design. And then the entire blog now is I think called inside design. But at the first part, it only the the interview series that we did was called inside design. And that series got big enough that we actually had like inbound interest of designers saying like, Hey, can I be a featured on inside design? And there was like a, a very clear moment where it was like, everything went from like, no, 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 not enough time. Don't have the bandwidth. So like, yes, 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 yes. And so it's also about building the quality of content program that people are excited about participating in and making that feel very special. There's a couple ways to do that. Like obviously intense quality and that's, that's for the content marketer. Exclusivity can do that. You have to decide whether or not that's important for your brand, right? Like, do you want to be known as like the super exclusive, like, I don't know. I hate using the term sexy and B2B marketing. Like, I just think that like they, they shouldn't be the same thing. But if I was lazy with my words, I would say building a sexy B2B content marketing program. And so there's a, yeah, there's a couple ways to, to get people excited to say yes. And uh, there's a couple levers you can pull there. I am the same way. Like I'm talking and I go on these rants and then like sexy is the word in my head. And I'm, oh, like, Damn. And I'm like, God, <laughs> I just need to sit down have 15 minutes, brainstorm all the different words I can use, pick one. So that way when sexy pops into my head, I'm like, I'm not using that. I'm using this other term. I, I, I love it. I love the the idea in like as a KPI around like this content facilitation idea and program and shows that you're running when it flips from uh, you are the one out like doing outbound, trying to get a hold of people on your show to all of a sudden like inbound interest starts coming in. It's like, Hey, I saw your show. You interviewed X like I'd love to be on the show or my boss would love to be on the show. Like when that stuff starts happening, that you should keep doing what you're doing because those are good signs that people are providing value. Maybe we close it out with this. I'd love to get your, it can be on content facilitation. It can be on anything, but just Mm -hmm. like, what is something like to content marketers out there that are listening? Like what are some words of advice or words of wisdom through your experience that you can share based on just 
past experience or just based on trends or things you're seeing in the industry right now? Yeah, I think, you know, I I had a, a chat with Jay Akunzo the other day about just like leveling up marketing, right? Like, and I think that there's a lot of reasons that marketers get in ruts and create kind of the same content that, to your point before your example of, you know, a customer marketing series where it's like, we do a webinar, we have a call, we do a webinar, we do this thing and check mark, like box checked. Part of that is probably that we're content marketers sometimes are still playing the game that volume is going to win that game. And it's, we're beyond that. Like, so I would say the, the issue is with content marketing is that most of it's bad, even if you're trying to do a good job, like a lot of it's bad. Right. So there's, there's so many reasons that that's happening, but I think my advice would be to look at the reasons why you might be creating bad content to try to push beyond that boundary, to try to get people excited. And I heard this quote the other day, like it was like the best blank is the one that's having the most fun. And I think that's the same about marketers, right? Or like content creators, like the the best content marketer is the one that's having the most fun, that's finding the most interesting nuggets, that's like enjoys meeting the people, enjoys crafting the story, enjoys doing that. So I would recommend that that folks sort of get in touch with why they got into the industry in the first place and sort of push beyond the, the box checking that sort of inherently at one point or another you get trapped into. And part of that is, is to the, to the point before about, about the volume game. Like it's not a volume game anymore. It's absolutely a quality game. It's a quality game and it's a distribution game. And it used to be volume and blasting out on every channel, like, like literally the same link and the same words and the same, you know, you could like schedule in HubSpot and Buffer and you could just like schedule the same message across every platform. Like gone are the days that that works. And so, yeah, I guess my advice would be like, let's be better. And and I'm guilty of it and I'm trying to be better every day. And, and it's kind of an, an ongoing struggle, but one that I think will just help us not only as content marketers, but us as like content consumers. There's a lot of great stuff shared in this conversation. I think the clip that is being pulled is somewhere in that last <laughs> take. I loved it. Maybe plug something for for OpenView as we leave. What what can people go check out? What are you? What is OpenView up to right now? Sure. So uh, I have one that's that's live that you can look at, and one that's upcoming. We created a really incredible usage based pricing playbook. So in lines to product-led growth model, a lot of folks are, are thinking about how to price their software product. If you work at a company that's thinking about pricing, I would check that out on our, on our site. Kyle put that together. And then we are also in the midst of creating our 2021 product benchmarks report. That will be out, uh, I believe, late April, early May. It's one of our, our yearly things that we love to do. So um, you'll be able to sort of uh, check your benchmarks against other companies. Pricing and packaging is a hot topic over here at The Juice. I, I was just uh, looking at our V1 before we hopped on the podcast. So now I have a resource to go turn to after we hang up the call here. Margaret, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for your thoughts on content, content facilitation, and everything else B2B marketing related. Thanks, Brett. Happy to be here. Always happy to chat. So I love that conversation. Content facilitation is what I'm doing to gain traction in the market. I'm meeting people like Margaret through content facilitation. We just met, we just created an episode, having tons of fun doing it. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button. 
Get at me at Indy McGrath. Tell me how I'm doing. Would love to hear from you. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And I'll be back on Monday with another conversation. 